Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music, transcribed with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and H.M.S. Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. song with sweet accord and thus around the throne and thus around the throne we're marching to Zion beautiful beautiful Zion we're marching upward to Zion that beautiful city of God then let our song tear be dry we're marching through Emmanuel's ground we're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high to fairer worlds on high we're marching to Zion beautiful beautiful Zion we're marching upward to Father in heaven, we thank thee for another opportunity to seek thy face. Bless this broadcast to every listener, and we pray that our faith and our guidance and our counsel from thee may be new today. Support us, we pray, in this, in Jesus' name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, Hold us who bow before thee. 
near to the heart of God. King's Heralds are welcoming to the microphone a guest quartet that is a little unusual, as three of the singers are brothers. Another interesting sidelight is that the three Crane brothers who sang in the original King's Heralds Quartet are uncles of these three brothers who sing today. Two of them are employees right here in our Voice of Prophecy printing department. John first tenor, Kelvin second tenor, and Waldo Gepford baritone, together with Russell Nelson bass, now present a new arrangement of an old hymn, Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which in the double cure save from wrath and make me pure could my tears forever flow could my zeal no longer know these for sin could not atone thou must save I bring simply to thy cross I cling when my pilgrim I close victor o'er the last of foes when I soar to worlds unknown see thee Now, just before we hear the important subject brought to us by H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker, Miss Del Delker sings Home Sweet Home, which is also the title of today's sermon. Is never met with 
since that lonely man, John Howard Payne, wrote those words. They have been sung by homesick people around the world. Mid pleasures and palaces though we may roam, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. And after all, that's the way it ought to be. As Edgar Guest once said, it takes a heap of living in a house to make it home. Home can be anywhere. It doesn't need to be a palace. It might be a palace. It may indeed be very humble. It might be a straw hut, a stone building, a structure of wood, clay, anything else. But it becomes a home when it's the center of affection, real living, smiles and tears, sorrow, laughter, when it is the center of our love, our living, then it's home. Home is not a building merely all the latest and the best. Home is where we love each other. Home is where the heart's at rest. Home is where we come at evening or from world-long journeys pressed just to hear our name low-spoken. Home is where the heart's at rest. Home is where we know each other, where the inmost thoughts expressed, and there are no inhibitions. Home is where the heart's at rest. Home is at the long trail's ending, where we live with love confessed. In a palace or a cottage, home is where the heart's at rest. A real home is a creation of love, loyalty, and hard work. An American friend of mine was fulfilling an important place in the Christian ministry in the city of London. One evening he went to the Royal Albert Hall to hear Jenny Lynn sing. It was a wonderful evening of music, and he greatly enjoyed it. At first the artist sang selections from Beethoven, Handel, and other composers. The great audience was charmed by the sweetness of her voice. Then, pausing suddenly, the Swedish nightingale, as they called her, seemed to be preparing for a song of loftier flight. Softly and tenderly came the melodious words of this song, Home, Home, Sweet Home. The vast audience held its breath and people forgot where they were. At the close of the song, everyone broke out in wildest applause, as the voice of the singer was silenced, many wept. Why? Because they'd all been home in mind and imagination. 
my friend told me afterward that while Jenny Lind was singing that immortal song of hers, he forgot all about London. In fact, he was back home on the farm in Iowa. There was his mother getting supper, his father and all his brothers and sisters gathering for the evening meal. Then they seemed to be around the hearthstone bowing in family worship. Yes, he was home again, but when the voice of the sweet singer ceased, he came back with a start to the realities of life in the great city, and the vision of home faded. Real family life is home life. Our modern civilization, especially in lands that are technically advanced, puts a terrible strain on the home. Sometimes the members of the family seldom see each other. They get up in the morning at different times, eat at different times, work in different places, go to bed at different times. People who do not eat together, read together, sing together, and pray together soon are simply not together. Juvenile delinquency and adult delinquency become a major problem when home life disappears or is degraded. The home is built on the family, and the family is built on marriage. Anything that loosens the sacredness of the marriage ties destroys the foundations of the home. A Christian college has meant much to me, a Christian high school more, but personally, I can testify that above all the influences of life, our Christian home was the greatest of all. There, father and mother, Christian friends and relatives molded my character. On the wall near the table, where we met three times a day for meals, hung the motto, Christ is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. How wonderful those words to me as a child. Jesus was the head of our house. He heard what we said. He took part in our joys and sorrows. That thought and that faith helped to make our home a little heaven to go to heaven in. Every home needs a lamp, the same lamp that lightens the holy city, the new Jerusalem, of which we read, the Lamb is the light thereof. You'll find that in the 21st chapter of Revelation. A humble home in Bethany was blessed by the presence of Jesus. There Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary, opened their home to him. Jesus loved to talk with them, to eat with them, to have fellowship with them. So today he longs for fellowship in your home and mine. And we all need him in our homes and in our business. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says. He knocks not only at the door of every human heart, but at the door of every home. In a real Christian home, the children have the right to hear the voice of prayer, to hear mother and father pray, and to pray themselves. When Robert Burns wrote his famous poem, The Cotter's Saturday Night, in which he describes the scene of family worship in a humble cottage of Scotland, family prayers were commonplace. Read that wonderful poem again for yourself. And if you can do it with dry eyes, I'll be surprised. A real home should have family worship. It holds father and mother together. It holds the family together. It makes every home a house of prayer. Happy the home when God 
fills every breast when one their wish and one their prayer and one their heavenly rest happy the home where Jesus name is sweet to Now just a moment to the Bible. When the people of Israel came into the Holy Land, they were instructed to destroy the military fortress of Jericho. Only one family was saved, a family that lived in a house on the city wall. And here are the instructions to the head of that house in the second chapter of Joshua. When we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and mother and brethren and all thy father's house home unto thee. It shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. So they put the scarlet thread in the window. Notice one point. The folks that came home and shut the doors about them in old Jericho were safe when that thread was in the window. And so every true home is a place of safety when the scarlet thread of Christ's blood is in the window. And those in charge of the home are Christians whose hope is in the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. When the home is protected by this scarlet thread, there's safety within. Gather the children in, fathers and mothers, grandfathers and grandmothers, and protect them with the scarlet thread of faith. That's the only hope of a lost and ruined world, but the gloriously sufficient hope. Why not have that kind of home? Why not make your home like that, where the presence of Jesus and the love for one another will make home a real home? Then it'll be more than just a place to eat and drink, to work and sleep. It'll be a place where the children will have games and good times where father and mother will plan to be a part of all their pleasures. A place of neatness and order, a school, a church. There'll be books, pictures, music. It'll be such a delightful place that when children are scattered around the far places of the earth, they will want to found homes of their own like the one from which they came. As long as we have Christian homes, the nation will survive. No statesmanship on earth can save us from lawlessness and anarchy while the home is broken, forgotten, ignored, dissolved. When its homes are right, the nation will prosper. A well-known minister went to conduct a funeral service for the daughter of a certain man. 
He was a successful businessman, thoroughly worldly. On one side of the casket sat the father with his best friend. The father suddenly spoke, more to himself than to anyone else. You and I have been living for a good time and success. We get everything we can during the week. We're good poker players on Saturday nights, spend the weekends in the automobile and social pleasures. We put the club in the bank first, but my son has disgraced me, my wife has left me, and now my daughter is dead. I tell you, there's only one place to bring up a family, and that's in a Christian home. There's only one thing to do with the children on the Sabbath, and that's to take them to church. What with money and wine and cards and pleasure all through the weekend and every night, our family has been ruined. You may not realize what the end of these things is until the end actually comes, but I know. If we have a Christian home, friends, let us thank God for it. If we do not, let us build one. If our home has been ruined or broken, let us attempt to renew it. Remember this, the home eternal really begins here. Heaven for us might and must begin on earth. What we make our homes here will, in a measure, determine what they will be there. In Holy Scripture, we read of an everlasting home, of a country, of a city, of houses, of a place from which we shall go out no more where we shall meet and greet those whom we have loved long since and lost a while. Home is the nearest thing to heaven that God could give to men on earth. It is our privilege to have a Christian home on earth in which to prepare for a home to come. Looking forward to that glorious home, we may say, O oh dear, dear native country, O oh rest and peace above, Christ bring us all to the homeland of thy redeeming love. faith in God, wherever you may roam. Have faith in God, neath tent or palace dome. Have faith in God, and there is home sweet home. Have faith, dear friend, in God.
We hope this transcribed program of ours has brought blessing to you. And we invite you to join us again next week at this same time for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. We would like to invite you, each and every one, to join our worldwide prayer circle. How to join it? Just remember the Voice of Prophecy in prayer each week and the people who write to us asking an interest in our prayers. Every Thursday morning we meet here at headquarters to pray for our worldwide prayer fellowship, for you, for all who listen, but especially for those who write in. So let us pray together each week on the Voice of Prophecy Worldwide Prayer Circle. And now we say the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.